Welcome to the third season of Learning Bible Truth Ministries. I am the founder, host, and teacher, Dr. Kamala D. This ministry is here to teach you Bible truth. Teaching truth allows you to grow in faith and learn how to walk in God's amazing grace. I sometimes read entire books in the Bible so you can know the story, not just the scripture. I also teach a series about a certain subject, so I want you to invite family and friends. Get your Bibles, grab a pen and paper so you can take notes. Now sit back, relax, and learn Bible truth. Good day, Learning Bible Truth listeners. Today is Saturday, yes, April the 16th. I am your host and your teacher, Dr. Kamala D. Today we have embarked upon episode four, which is the final episode of this four-part series entitled, Why Do Christians and People Die Before Their Times? Now this final episode is entitled, why die before your time? I thought that would be appropriate. Today we are going to cover a lot of scripture. A lot of scriptures uh, in reference to dying before your time and scriptures that will give you some insight on how you can prolong your life. Because there is a misconception that when people die young, let's say according to the Bible, uh, before the age of 70, that it was their time to die. That's a lie. Because let me tell you, I am so astute in this Bible. I know it tells the truth and it does not contradict itself. That is a lie. When someone dies before the age of 70. Now, let me make this distinction. I'm talking about Christians because Christians are promised a long life, okay? Those who are outside of Christ, according to the Bible, is condemned already, and they are completely cut off from God, 100%. I don't care how many times you hear someone someone says, oh, I thank God, but, but they don't believe in Christ. God doesn't hear them. Now, this is biblical, okay? You can read John uh, 3, 18, and that will cover what I just said. But we have a lot of Christians dying before their time. Now, anyone outside of Christ can just die at any moment because of the life that they're living and they have no protection because the wages of sin is death and that will not change. Now, let's cover our first scripture. You often hear me say, why die before your time? Well, go to Ecclesiastes chapter 7, and we will read verses 16 and 17. And for those of you who are tuning in for the first time, I advise you to go through the podcast and listen to episodes 1, 2, 3, and then this episode. You can learn a lot from um, episode 1, 2, and 3. And I am using the New King James Version. And throughout this uh, episode, I will also read from the New Living Translation. Okay, so, um, so that we can reserve some time, saints, 
I will just commence the reading. You can always pause the tape. And then when you find the scriptures, we will be on the same page. Okay, so I am reading. This is the New King James Version, Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verses 16 and 17. Do not be overly righteous, nor be overly wise. Why should you destroy yourself? And verse 17 says, do not be overly wicked, nor be foolish. Why should you die before your time? My goodness. Now, right here, this scripture tells you that an individual can die before their time. We all have an appointment with death. And I talked about that in episodes um, two and three. We all have an appointment with death. But it for Christians, those who are in Christ, those who are born again, it should not be before the ages of 70. Now, I have already proven in scripture in um, Genesis that God said that man should live to be 120. And then Moses and Abraham and, and, and some of the other uh, saints of old talked about living to see age 70. And um, look, with, with great health and with God's grace, uh, 80. So between the ages of 70 and 120, Christians are promised a long and satisfying life. Okay, so why... Are Christians dying before their time? Why? And in episode three, we talked about in 1 Corinthians chapter five, verses one through six, that there was a man in the congregation sleeping with his father's wife. And the apostle Paul heard about it and wrote a letter to the church. And he told them to put that individual out from among you. And one of the reasons Paul said that is because that behavior can spread through the church. Paul says, put him out so that his flesh will be destroyed along with Satan and that his soul may be saved in the day of judgment. Now, this is not a license to sin, saints. It's not a license to sin. And we will talk about that as, as we move forward throughout this episode. But what Paul is saying is, if this person's heart really, truly believes in Christ, accepted Christ in his heart, confessed with his mouth that Christ is Lord and, and he received in his heart that God raised him from the dead, he really, truly believes that Christ is alive, he's saved. And man cannot unsave you. Here's the thing. Paul, as you can see, Paul never said put him out of Christ because he ha he doesn't have the authority to do that. No man has the authority to put you out of Christ. The question is, are you saved? Because if you are engaging in certain behavior as a Christian and you have no convictions about it, you feel fine about it, you're good about it, chances are you're not saved. Chances are you are not born again. You never really truly accepted Christ. No. Because the conviction would be so strong, you wouldn't do it. So now the reason why Paul said this, he was referring to Leviticus chapter 18 verses 6 through 8 and Deuteronomy chapter 22 verses 30 and chapter 20 verse 20. Um, also, you can um, 
Read Galatians chapter 5 verses 19 through 26 talking about you should not be involved in incest. Okay. You should not be sleeping with your father's wife. And remember, although we are not under the law, the law tells us what sin is. And you have to remember that Paul is talking to Christians. He is not talking to non-believers. The apostle Paul is talking to Christians. He is saying, put that individual out of the church. And you see, that is one way you can cut your life short by living in open sin with no qualms about it. You know that you are wrong and you're not changing that behavior. You are not repenting of that behavior. You can cut your life short. Okay. So I often say Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death. We have to keep that in the center of this episode because that refers to Christians as well. Even though the wages of sin is death, the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. However, you can still cut your life short by sinning. Now, I want you to trot on over there to Romans. I have a lot of scriptures, y'all, and I'm just trying to go through them and see which ones I want to read. Romans chapter 3, verse 20. Romans chapter 3, verse 20. And see, this tells us that although we are not saved by the law, we are not declared righteous by the law, but the law tells us what sin is. If it wasn't for the law, we wouldn't know we were doing wrong. We are not saved by the law. We are not saved by, by how many sins we don't commit. But you need to keep this in mind. The wages of sin is still death. You can still cut your life short. So here we go again. You can, you can pause the tape because you have the ability to do it. And when you come back, we will be on the same page. I am reading. And this is verse 20. This is the apostle Paul talking to the Romans at the Roman church. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. Whose sight? God's sight. Okay. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. See, the law tells us what sin is, which is why when Paul was talking to the Corinthian church and excuse me, he was talking about why, why didn't you put this, this individual out from among you? He was referring to Leviticus 18, 6, 8 and Deuteronomy chapter 20, uh, 22 and verse 30. So we have to keep that in mind. These are scriptures that's telling you how you can cut your life short. Okay. Now, uh, when Romans 6.23 says the wages of, wages of sin is death, that is exactly what it means. And that refers to Christians too, because if you are out there sinning, you are not under God's protection. Okay. You are not under God's protection. Now, another thing, we are not perfect. We are in this body. This body, as long as we are in this body, this body is dying. And this body wants to sin. It craves sinning. So our spirit man needs to keep our body under subjection. Okay. We need to control our own body. So, so I want you to go to first John chapter one, verse nine. Okay. Because we sin every day, there is not a human being on this earth that is a born again Christian that does not sin every day. So, God 
uh, only used one sacrifice for all of our sins, and that's the blood of Jesus. So what he has done is provided a way for Christians to just confess their sins every day. And he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. So first John one and nine. So since I am not there yet, we can get there together. I am looking for it and I'm still using the, uh, new King James Bible. First John chapter one. And commencing at verse nine, this is John, the apostle John talking. If we confess our sins, he is talking to Christians. He, that he is God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And verse 10 says, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him God a liar, and his word is not in us. His word is Jesus. If we say we have no sin, honey, Christ ain't in you. No, that's the reason we need a savior because of our sins. So right here, it confirms when I said, look, we, we sin every day. If we say we have no sin and we didn't sin today, because let me tell you something, anything that is not of faith is sin. So you are sinning every day, even if it's unintentional, which is why we need to confess our sins. So are you dealing with some unrepented sins that can cut your life short? And I'm talking about sins that you know you sinned and you came home, never even confessed and asked God to cleanse you from that. I do this every day, even if, if it's intentional or unintentional. When I come home and even sometimes when I'm at work and I know I said something I should not have, when I go to the restroom, I'm confessing those sins in the restroom. So unrepented sin can lead to an early death. Now, I'm not saying you're going to drop dead right then and there, but when you leave from wherever you are, uh, when you committed that sin, your protection is not there. Now, I, I now there may be some that may challenge me on this, but you challenge yourself. No, what you do is challenge the word of God. Don't challenge me. Because I'm sticking with the word. I know this word. You, you challenge God, not me. Okay. So let me read that again. If we confess our sins, this is first John, uh, chapter one, verses nine and 10. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All doesn't exclude anything. It says all that includes murder. You need to confess. Confess is the word homologio, which means we need to say the same, same thing that God says. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if we say that we have not sinned, we make God a liar and his word is not in us. Now that's Bible. Yes, this is in your Bible. So it doesn't matter if you say something unfruitful, if you say something that is not edifying about someone or to someone, if the spirit of God is in you, you will feel uncomfortable with that. I know I do. I feel, feel uncomfortable a lot. And I always go and confess that sin and ask God for forgiveness. You are automatically forgiven. God is not on the fence about it. At the end of the day, the blood of, that, that Jesus shed on Calvary, 
Let me tell you something. It never loses its power. Never. So we are automatically forgiven. These, this is for Christians, people who are born again. This is not for people who are non-believers. Okay. Not for people who are non-believers. Now, what scripture shall we go to next? Now, for those who think because we are under grace, we can continue to sin. Hmm. I will say this to you. Grace forgives. It does not protect. The wages of sin is still death. So I want you to go to Romans chapter six, Romans chapter six. Let's go there together. Okay. Romans chapter six. I'm using an electronic Bible, you guys. So that's why you won't hear any pages of flipping. And I'm going to read beginning at verse one. This is the apostle Paul talking. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Mm. Verse two says, certainly not. How shall we who died to sin? which is what we are supposed to do when we are born again. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Verse three, or do you not know that as many as us, as were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death as well? Verse four, therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Now, I all you guys who listen to me on a regular basis, I often talk about baptism. Baptism, water baptism is symbolic to the death, burial and resurrection of Christ. This is how we identify with him. The apostle Paul says, and you have to remember the apostle Paul is led by the Holy Spirit. He says, therefore, we were buried with him. That's in water baptism. Baptized into his death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the father. See, when we come up out, out of that water, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. We should not be walking around sinning intentionally, nor should we be supporting sinning Christians. We need to put them out from among us. Now, I can tell you this. I can work with anyone, anyone, but in my private life, in my walk with Christ, I don't hang out with sinning Christians. I don't hang out with non-believers. If you're a non-believer, I, I will not be your friend, but I can be cordial and pray for anybody. Yeah, I will pray for anyone. So we have to remember that as well. Just because we are saved by grace, the wages of sin is still death. Romans 6, 23. Now, with that said, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and I will be reading verses 33 and 34. This talks about misrepresenting God and for us not to be deceived. So remember, y'all can pause the tape while I uh, commence the reading. And when you come back, we will be on the same page. And I'm still in the New King James Version. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning at verse 33 says, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Now, I want you to pay close attention to this. It doesn't say good company will um, change the habits of, of an evil person. No, it says 
evil company corrupts good habits. And verse 34 says, awake to righteousness and do not sin. Because remember, the wages of sin is death. For some do not have the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. This part right here talks about misrepresenting God. And God has no use for you if you're doing this. And this is another reason why some Christians are dying before their time. You may be saved. You love your friends you grew up with. You love family members and, and uh, cousins. And, and you, you know a lot of people that are not born again, but you grew up with them and you're hanging out with them. The next thing you know, you will be doing the exact same things they are doing because your flesh is craving it. So the Apostle Paul says... Do not be deceived. Okay. It, look, we need to understand this. Evil company corrupts good habits. Verse 34 says, awake to righteousness and do not sin. For some do not have the knowledge of God. Not everybody know God. And the only person, or let's say this, the only way they may see or know about, about God is through you. But if they're looking at your behavior and you are behaving the exact same way that they are, what changes can they make? No, you have to lead them to Christ. You have to lead them to Christ and you can't lead them to Christ if you are doing the exact same things that they are doing. Okay, so that's another way that you can cut your life short. Remember, that's 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 33 through 34. Now go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, because God knows that we are still in this flesh. He left some tools for us to use. He is constantly helping us if we allow him to help us. So go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, and I am commencing to reading. The apostle Paul says, no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man, meaning this happens to everyone, not just Christians. We are all tempted, okay? Because we are still in his flesh. Our flesh is not born again. Our spirit man is, okay? But God is faithful, not man. God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will always make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. You won't read nothing in this scripture that says God is putting more, God won't put more on you than you can bear. It says that God is faithful. He will not allow, not put on you. It's a huge difference. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So are you identifying the way to escape before you sin? Before you commit adultery? Before you commit fornication, because let me tell you, you have to take clothes off. You have to find a, a private space. You have to take your clothes off. You have to go through some stuff before you commit that act. Or, or you see something that doesn't belong to you before you put that in your pocket. That's called stealing. Before you put that in your pocket, are you thinking about or paying attention to that urging you telling you to leave, don't do it. Because that's the, if you are born again, that's the spirit of God and telling you, don't do it. Just leave out. You can go over there. Or if God is telling you, don't you go to that nightclub with, with this young lady. They are smoking dope in the club. They are drinking and getting drunk. There's prostitution going on. And there's a shooting at that club every other night. 
and you happen to go there, God already provided you a way out. He's telling you don't go and you catch a bullet. Your life was cut short. Yes, God always provides a way out. So see, these scriptures are in here now. He provides a way out with his word. We just need to abide by his word, saints. Now let's go to James chapter 1 verses 12 and 13. James chapter 1 verses 12 and 13. So the reason why I'm going here is so that you can understand that God is not putting anything on you. Okay. God doesn't put anything on you. So let me commence to reading. Okay. It says, and I'm beginning at verse 12, blessed is the man who endures temptation for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. See, this is for Christians. This is not for non-believers. Verse 13 is the kicker. Verse 13 says, let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. Now, I know you may be saying, don't, you don't have to say it again. You get it. But no, I'm going to say this again. Verse 13 says, let no one say when he is tempted. I am tempted by God for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. And you can put this there with evil, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Now that's verses 13 and 14. You are tempted when you are drawn away by your flesh, the desires of your flesh. So we have to stop accusing God saying that God will not put more on you than you can bear. What, what now, if you are going through a, a, a trial or temptation or test, we all know that's not good. It's evil. So why would you think God is doing it? That, Satan is doing that to you. Not God. God doesn't tempt you with evil. No, he cannot be tempted with evil, nor does he tempt anyone with evil. So we have to stop accusing God, but this is also another way that you can cut your life short because the wages of sin is still death. Yes, the wages of sin is still death. So let's go to Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. And you guys know the process. I will commence the reading. You can pause the tape. And when you come back after you find the scripture, we will be on the same page. And it says, verse nine, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, meaning his return as some count slackness, but is long suffering toward us. One of the reasons why he allowed non-believers to live longer. And I'm talking about not the ones who are out there just cutting up, just, I mean, just cutting up because they can get themselves killed. But listen to this now. His promise as some count slackness, meaning he taking his time, but is long suffering. God is long suffering toward us, not willing that any and any means don't exclude anybody that any should perish, but that all and all includes everyone should come to repentance. That's one of the reasons why judgment day is not here yet. He is allowing people to hear Christ hear the um, saving grace of Christ, 
He's given people the opportunity to come to Christ and repent of their sins and live a long life. So don't you ever think that because God hasn't returned yet and the second, which includes the second coming of Christ, that God has forgotten because because second Peter three, nine says the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some count slackness, but is long suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all come to repentance. That's the new King James version. Now let's talk about, um, ways to prolong our lives. Now I, we just talked about ways that you can cut your life short. So I want you to go to James chapter four. And I will be reading verses seven and eight, James chapter four, verses seven and eight. And it says this, therefore submit to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Verse eight says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners and purify your hearts, you double minded. Now, here's the thing. You often hear people say, you know, if you resist the devil, he will flee from you. No, uh-uh. That's, that's not what, what this says. It says, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Submit to God. That's what they are leaving out. You have to submit yourself to God. And the way you do that is submitting yourself to his word. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And verse eight says, draw near to God. And that's drawing near to his word. And he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. It says that you have to do it. God doesn't automatically stop you from sinning. You have to do it right here. The apostle James, which is our Lord and savior, Jesus Christ's brother says, cleanse your hands. You got to cleanse your hands, you sinners and purify your hearts. We have to purify our hearts. You double minded. Okay. That's one of the ways we can prolong our lives. Now let's go to Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Now we are looking into ways that you can prolong your life. And, um, after we read this scripture, I'm going to share more scriptures of the same. I'm not going to ask you to go there. I'm just going to give you the scriptures. Okay. Exodus 20, 12 says this, honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long upon the land, which the Lord, your God is giving you honor your mother and your father that your days may be long upon the land, which the Lord, your God is giving you. Now, this is the first commandment with promise. He promises to give you a long life if you honor your mother and father. So one of the reasons why uh, we have some youngsters out there dying before their times, every time the door open uh, in church, mama bringing them to church, but they are not into the word. They haven't submitted themselves. They haven't resisted the devil. Having somebody sit in church with you without telling them about Christ, without telling them to confess and receive Christ in their heart is not helping them. You might as well let that child stay home. Yeah, you might as well let them stay home because they are not honoring their mother, holding them in high esteem, respecting them. That's honoring them. If your mother or your father needs anything, 
you fulfill their needs. We need to take care of mom and daddy. I, I don't have my parents anymore. They are gone. But when my mother was here, I remember working two jobs helping my mother out. But we need to honor our mothers and fathers. And our days upon the earth shall be long. Okay. And you can also read Ephesians chapter 2. Verse six, no, I'm sorry, correction, Ephesians chapter six, verse two, you can read Deuteronomy chapter five, verse 16. All of those scriptures are referencing the first commandment with promise, which is to honor your mother and father and your days upon the earth shall be long. Now let's go to Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. Now, this can go both ways. This is one way you can cut your life short. And this is one way that you can live a long, satisfying life that God promises to his people. Okay. Proverbs 18, 21 says that death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. You will be the recipient of your words. So if you are constantly speaking death upon your body, upon your family, and not life, you can cut your life short. You know why? Because you believe it. The issue is, what do you believe? That's why the Bible says, God, your hearts, because out of it flows the issues of life. The issues of life is in your heart. So whatever you receive in your heart, if you receive death in your heart, trust me, eventually you probably will get sick and die. How often do you hear someone say, oh, I always get sick. Stay away from that person. Stay away from that person. And before you walk away from them, say, not me. I, I'm walking in, in uh, the healing power of God. And just, just remove yourself before that individual end up having you start talking death and speaking death over your life. Because remember, evil company corrupts good behavior. Yes. So you need to remove yourself from that individual. Okay. So remember Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. All right, now let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 15 through 18. Yes, Deuteronomy, which is also known as Deutero, is the second giving of the law. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 15 and 18, and it says this. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. In that I command you today to love the Lord your God. Keep this in mind. Love the Lord your God. To walk in his ways and to keep his commandments, his statutes, and his judgments. That you may live and multiply. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. Now, right here. Choosing death is not an option. It's not an option. It says, I set before you today, life and good. Life is associated with good. Death and evil. Death is associated with evil. We have to remember that Satan is the originator of death. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. And we need to understand that death is an enemy to us. And it has not been destroyed yet. That's why some of us are still dying. We are speaking death on us and we are uh, believing it and receiving it in our hearts and we are dying. But here's the thing. It says that before uh, I have set before you today life 
and good. Life is associated with good, death and evil. Death is associated with evil, not God. Okay. In that I command you today to love the Lord, your God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments out. The commandment that we are under in the new covenant is to walk in love, his statutes and his judgment that you may live. You hear me? Not die that you may live and multiply and the Lord, your God will bless you in the land, which you go to possess my Lord. So let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 21 through 23. And I am reading. It says, therefore, let no one boast in men. Don't, don't boast in man. For all things are yours. Verse 22, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death, zero in on that, or life or death or death, or things present, or things to come, all, which excludes nothing that he just said, are yours. Verse 23 says, and you are Christ, and Christ is God's. So the Apostle Paul says to the Corinthian church, and I covered this in, I think, um, episode two, uh, chapter, uh, Three verses 22, he says, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death, all things present or things to come, all are yours. Life and death are yours. Life and death are yours. And we just read a scripture in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 30, telling us to choose life. Yes, we have to make that choice. In Proverbs 18, 21 Death and life is in the power of the tongue. This is how you extend your life. Constantly speak life over yourself. Walk in God's word, not your opinions and not someone else's opinions, not your church, your church's tradition. You need to stick with the word of God. Okay. So now let's talk about healing. Why um, some Christians die and, and, and uh, because they are not healed. When they, they, they get cancer or they have a stroke or uh, any of these other diseases and, and, and with the pandemic going on, some of these viruses come, coming through this earth. Because you have to remember, this is not going to stop. The earth is cursed and it will have all kinds of, of pestilence and, and diseases and affirmities. But God has given us tools to work with so that we can live through this world. And through all of the pandemics and all of these diseases that we encounter, and it's called faith. Okay. So I want you to go to Mark chapter five, verse 34, Mark chapter five, verse 34. And we can look for that together. Cause I wasn't there yet. Saints. I was not there. So while you are looking, I am looking Mark. Chapter five. And I will be reading verse 34. And he said to her, this is Jesus talking. This is the lady with the issue of blood. Daughter, your faith has made you well. 
Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Your faith has made you well. That's the tool that God gave us to live by. I'm talking about believers because the just shall live by faith. Hallelujah. That's how we live. That's how we walk. That's how we can beat the devil. Our faith is what beats the devil and our faith is what heals us. Yes. Mark says, and he said to her, Jesus, after he healed this lady, daughter, your faith has made you well. Your faith, not me, mm -mm, not me. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Now, with that said, I want you to go to Luke. I want, let's read Luke's account of this. I really like, like his, his account of this same issue. And Luke's version is in chapter eight. Okay, Luke chapter 8, and let's see what, verses 43 through 48, I will be reading. Now listen, now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years, who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any, by any of the physicians now, verse 44 says, came from behind, talk, uh, he, she came from behind Jesus and touched the border or either hem of his garment. And immediately her flow of blood stopped. But check out what Jesus says, verse 44. And Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, and those with him said, master, the multitudes throng and press you. And you say, who touched you or who touched me? Verse 46, but Jesus said, somebody touched me for I perceived power going out from me. And the New Living Translation says, I perceive healing coming out from me. Verse 47, now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came forth trembling and falling down before him, him who Jesus she declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. Verse 48, and this is what the Lord Jesus says. See, these are the scriptures you should be listening to. Not your church denomination that doesn't believe in healing. Not your um, faithless co-worker or your faithless family member who go to church with you who don't believe in nothing. No, you stick with these scriptures. It says in verse 48, and he said to her daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your faith has made you well. That is the tool, the one powerful tool that God has given us. Okay. So that we can get through and fight the wiles of the devil while we are here until he destroys this earth and make us a new one. He will make this same earth new, the second coming of Christ. Yes, before we receive new bodies, and I already talked about the rapture. When the rapture occurs, we all in Christ will receive brand new bodies that will never age again. It will never die again. And as a matter of fact, I mean, I'm about to get deep. Uh, it won't, we won't have blood. No, because anything that bleeds can die. So we will never die again. That's why we will be given eternal life. Eternal. Okay. So now let's look at uh, James chapter five. 
We're talking about how you can prolong your life with healing. Yes, through being healed of your infirmity. Okay. The Apostle James chapter 5, the Lord Jesus Christ's brother. I'm still looking too, saints. And beginning at verse 7. Um, no, not seven. Let's, um, beginning at verse 14 and I am reading, it says, is any, anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him. Why the elders? Cause the elders usually have some strong faith. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, is all absolutely necessary? Someone asked me. No, it's not because we find a lot of scriptures in here where all was not used and people were healed just by the faith. So I want you to remember the lady we just read about with the issue of blood. No one anointed her with, with oil. Her faith healed her. But listen to the apostle James. Is it in one among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Verse 15 says, and the prayer of faith, not the prayer of doubt, the prayer of faith will save the sick. Your version may say heal the sick. It is the same thing. And the Lord will raise him up, not put him six feet under. The Lord will raise him up. How? By using the prayer of faith. You have to believe that God is going to heal you before you come to him. That lady said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole or I will be made well. You have to believe it before you go to Christ. Verse 15 says, and the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Wow, this is powerful. See, this is how you can prolong your life if you are struck with a disease or an infirmity. Yes, yes, saints. Mm-hmm. Now, let me tell you how your unbelief can put you six feet under. Go to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. Now, I have to see what, where I'm going to begin reading, but I do know I will end with verse 58. Let me see where I will pick this up at. Okay, I will start at verse 54 through um, 58. This is Matthew 13. When he, talking about Jesus, had come to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said, where did this man get the wisdom and these mighty works? Nobody else have ever accomplished or performed the works that Jesus did when he walked this earth. Verse 55. Is this not the carpenter's son? Talking about Joseph. Is not his mother called Mary and his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Verse 56. And his sisters, are they not all with us? Now remember, Mary didn't remain a virgin. She was just a virgin when she had Christ. Jesus had several sisters and brothers. And, and so that means that her marriage was definitely consummated. Okay. Um, let me pick up at 56 again. And his sisters, are they not all with us? Where then did this man get all these things? So they were offended at him. They were offended at Jesus. Okay. But Jesus said to them, a prophet, because remember 
Jesus' ministry was that of prophecy. He, even though he didn't come here to heal, he did it because he had the power and authority to do it. And because he had a heart for the sick, he healed them while he was here. But he came to prophesy about the end times and about if they didn't repent, if they didn't accept him. He also came to show them how to have a relationship with God, excuse me, how to have a relationship with God. Cause we all know in the Bible, now you can overlook scriptures and jump from this scripture to that one. But at the end of the day, the entire Bible is about Jesus, that Jesus was God in the flesh. I and my father are one. If you have seen me, you have seen the father. Okay. That came out of the mouth of Jesus. Verse 57 says, so they were offended of him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor held to high esteem or respect, except in his own country and in his own house. Verse 58 is what I want you to key in on. Now, he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. See, if you don't have no faith, I'm sorry. God can't work with you. Christ can't heal you. James said it's, it's the uh, prayer of faith that heals, heals the sick. And that also tells us that there are different levels of faith. Okay. Different levels of faith. Now we, we are getting toward the end saints. So let's go to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse six. Yes. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse six. And I'm already there saints. So I will commence the reading, pause the tape, come back. We'll be on the same page. And this is the writer to the Hebrews. He says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him, him who God for he who comes to God must believe that he is. That means that he exists before you even go to God. You must first believe that he is real, that he exists. You have to couple all the scriptures that I read about faith and healing and you must know that he's going to heal you when you come to him, because listen, as I continue, you must first believe that he is meaning that he exists and that he is a rewarder, not a punisher, a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. But remember, it starts off by saying, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. So if you come to God saying, Lord, if it's your will, heal me. God is not going to hear that prayer for healing because it's not a prayer of faith. Okay. Before you come to God, you must first believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder to those or of those who diligently seek him. You have to seek him with faith. You have to first believe that he's going to heal you before you go to him. And you must trust me. First, believe that he exists. How many of y'all know they got people that busted the church's doors down um, like on Easter tomorrow, but they really don't believe in God. They're just there. You can tell by someone's lifestyle they don't believe in God. And you can tell by someone's lifestyle they don't believe in hell. They don't believe in the devil, but yet they are always in church every time the doors are open. Now go to James chapter 1. And I will be reading verses five through seven. And after this, I'm going to cover two more scriptures and, and we are through James chapter one, verses five through seven. And it says this, this is, um, the apostle James talking. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally, meaning freely and without reproach, 
and it will be given to him. And he's talking to believers. Okay. Verse six, but let him ask in faith. Oh, let me say that again. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, no doubting at all. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Verse seven, let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. So y'all think I'm just throwing things out there? No, I back up whatever I say in scripture. If you have no faith and you go to God saying, God, if it's your will, heal me, heal my mama. That's not a prayer of faith. So don't expect healing. Look, the apostle James says in verse seven, for let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. What man? The man who doubts. Yeah, you have to pray in faith. You have to go to God. God, your word says that if I come to you, you will heal me. And I know I am healed. I believe I am healed by Jesus stripes. I'm healed. That's what your word says. And I'm going to stand on that word. That's what I did. And that's why I can stand before you today after having a, a major stroke in March of uh, 7 of 2021. And I am here today still preaching the word. Yes, I am here today still preaching the word. Now I save these two um, scriptures last. No, one scripture, just one. I don't have to cover to one. I want you to go to first Corinthians chapter 11, and I will be reading verses 23 through 34. Now this, some of you may have heard this before and um, uh, what I'm going to share, it, it may add more information to it, or you may not have. Now, this is one of the reasons why Christians die. And this may be your first time hearing scriptures that is literally confirming this. Now it has to do with taking communion. Yes, it has to do with taking communion. So I'm going to be reading verses 23 through 34. This is Paul talking to the Corinthian church after he received information from some of the members in the congregation about people not taking uh, or not being worthy when taking the Lord's communion. And it says this, this is verse 23, for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. We're getting ready to talk about communion. Verse 24, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat this. No, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Verse 25, in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Now, before I go any further, we can take communion as often as we want. Now, it's okay if your congregation has set, you know, every first Sunday, every second Sunday, or every third Sunday, or every first and third Sunday, y'all take communion. But you can take it every day if you want. Okay, uh, verse 25 again. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it as often in remembrance of me. Verse 26, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. 
verse 27. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Verse 28. But let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Now, before I continue, let me explain what examine means. It doesn't mean your walk with Christ. It's, it's talking about your understanding of what the, the Lord's Supper is as it relates to in, in remembrance of Christ. Okay. Cause some of them didn't get it. Uh, uh. Let me read this first before I start giving you a commentary. Verse 29. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body, not quite understanding why we are taking this communion. Verse 30, for this reason, many are weak and sick among you and many sleep. The word sleep here means die. Mm -hmm, you heard it firsthand. Verse 29 and 30 again, for he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning, meaning understanding the Lord's body. Verse 30, this, for this reason, many are weak and sick among you and many die. Okay. The word sleep here means die. Verse 31, for if we judge ourselves, meaning we need to first understand why we are taking this communion. We would not be judged if we judge ourselves. You won't die. See, that's what judgment comes in at. You won't die. You won't get sick. Verse 32. But when we are judged, we are chastised by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. Now, chastise. God chastises us with his word. This is why Paul is sharing the word of God with them. So when we are chastised by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. Verse 33, therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. Verse 34, but if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, lest you come together for judgment and the rest I will set in order when I come. Paul wasn't finished with them. But here's the thing. We had some people who were treating the Lord's Supper like a big old party. They were coming, eating whole meals. They were drinking too much wine. They were getting drunk. Some didn't eat at all because they didn't have anything to eat. They were, they were sitting at, at, in a, a area of the congregation and wasn't even offered food. So they had some overeating and they had some over drinking, becoming drunk. And that's why Paul is saying that you need to examine yourselves. They need to understand why they are coming together and they need to wait for one another and they all need to take the Lord's Supper at the same time. Now in your congregation, it could be a piece of bread. It could be a cracker. Um, the drink can be wine or either grape juice. Now the bread represents the broken body of Christ and the wine or the grape juice represents his blood. And we need to understand why we are coming together. We need to do this in remembrance of what Christ did for us on that cross. And a lot of them were not coming together for that. And as a result, many of them died. Now, I want to read this from the New Living Translation. Remember I told you guys the New Living Translation really is for, I would say, people who are astute in this Bible, people who are teachers because it's really a paraphrasing Bible. Okay. So 
I'm reading this from the New Living Translation, the exact same scriptures I just read in the New King James. Okay. And it says this, for I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread, verse 24, and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. Verse 25, in the same way, he took the cup and wine after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. Verse 26, for every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Verse 27, so anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Verse 28, that, that is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. You need to understand why you are doing it. If you don't understand, you should not be taking communion. Okay. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. Verse 30. That is why many of you are weak and sick and some have even died because they have taken communion, the Lord's Supper, in an unworthy manner. That's how a lot of Christians are dying, not understanding why they are taking the communion. Saints, we look, we've been doing this for an hour. I mean, this is the last episode. I hope you were enlightened. Remember all the scriptures that I shared with you. Now, I'm not going to have an invite to Christ for those who, who don't know the risen Christ because we have uh, been uh, going through these scriptures for an hour. But I will tell you this, next weekend, we will uh, start on a new series, maybe a two-part series entitled, Where Do We Go After We Die? Where? Where do the Christian body goes after we die? And I've already been studying for that. So I have some scriptures to share with you about that. So until we meet again, saints, anyone you encounter, please treat them with compassion, dignity, and respect. Number one, you are representing Christ. Number two, not everybody knows God. And that you may be the only opportunity they have to encounter God and whether or not they will accept Christ. Because we have some Christians that are living out here and you don't, excuse me, we don't know if they are saved or not because of the way they are living. And that's one of the reasons their lives are being cut short because God has no use for them. Like the man in the Corinthian church who was sleeping with his father's wife, Paul said, put him out from among you. Yeah. Put him out from among you so that his flesh may be destroyed, but his spirit man may be saved in the day of the Lord. So it doesn't necessarily mean if you are a true believer and you are sinning, that you're going to hell if your life is cut short. You'll be with the Lord, but your life will be cut short. And you need to understand that you can prolong your life if you are sick by having someone pray the prayer of faith over you. Remember, it is the prayer of faith that heals the sick. A lot of Christians are dying from diseases they can be healed from because they have no faith in healing. They are going by and receiving what people are saying, what these unbelieving Christians are saying. 
and, and I'm talking about unbelieving Christians, those in, um, who don't believe in healing. There are a lot of Christians don't believe in healing. Oh, well, you know, it's the Lord's will. You know, my mama said, no, mama didn't believe in healing. Mama may have gone to be with the Lord because what I do know is my mother was ready to go. She grieved herself out of here. And I know she's in the bosom of the Lord because she had accepted Christ. My mother was a Christian when I was little. So she know the Lord Jesus. So I, I, that was the only thing that helped me get through me knowing that my mother went straight to the bosom of Jesus. So I can't wait to share that message with you guys next week about where Christians go when they die. And I hope you were enlightened. Play this message for family and friends who didn't know that you can set your appointment with, with the Lord. You can set your appointment with death and you can speak death into your life or you can speak life into your life. You can prolong your life. And remember episodes one, two, three, and four. Episodes one and two talks about uh, we have between 70 and 120 years. So why are some Christians dying at the age of 20? 25, 30, 35, you know, finding out they have cancer today and dead next month. No, no faith in healing. God is able. He is able. He is still able to heal us today. So saints until next time, peace out. hope you were enlightened by this message. If you have any questions or comments about this message, you can contact us by emailing talkingbibletruth.cd at gmail.com. If you would like to sow a seed in this growing ministry, you may access the front page on the podcast you are listening to and click on the support button. Or you can cash out the ministry at dollar sign Dr. Kamala D. That is at dollar sign, capital D, lowercase r, capital C, lowercase a-m-a-l-e, capital D, and donate any amount. And remember, God loves a cheerful giver, and so do we. So until next time, believers, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, not the word of man. We walk by faith and not by what we see. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D, serving you with Christ Jesus, our Lord, in peace and love. I thank each of you for tuning in, and I hope to hear from you soon. Peace out.